Welcome to Boiling Point, the podcast to motivate ever-evolving entrepreneurs and forward-thinking movement pioneers. Our hosts, filmmaker Greg Hemmings and executive coach Dave Vale, are turning up the heat in the world's business communities. Our interviews with entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers are raising the temperature of inspiration. Live from the hottest studio in this quadrant of the universe, here are Dave and Greg. Welcome back to the Boiling Point podcast, uh, Dave, uh, listening audience. Uh, very uh, excited to have a special guest in here today, Wendy McDermott, the CEO, uh, the Chief Excitement Officer of United Way St. John. Uh, welcome to the Boiling Point, Wendy. Thanks, guys. I can't follow that up for well. Wendy, what is on your iPhone? <laughs> for music or yes. for photos? Fo- oh, Ooh. let's go. Let's start with music. Music. Okay. Um, well, I'm super sappy, so I have everything Blue Rodeo's ever written. Nothing ah. sappy like about Blue Rodeo. Four different versions of the same song. Yeah, your favorite yeah. song is of Blue Rodeo. Hmm, the old stuff. So yeah. you know, bad timing, lost together. You know. Okay. Well, cool. good stuff. So, and our American listeners, they if they don't know who lost together, if they don't know who Blue Rodeo is, they should listen to it. Not just Greg's version. I, Americans know Blue Rodeo, Dave. Are you sure? <laughs> they played Saturday Night Live. I mean, come on. And well, they, tour, that, they tour the U.S. In fact, I remember I was down in Los Angeles once and Blue Rodeo was playing. They they are a touring band in the U.S. too. I mean, just because we're in Canada doesn't mean the Americans don't know our well, incredible they, musical I think it, artistic I think it would outputs. be less. Well, oh, good point. Okay, so so let's talk about Wendy and the exciting thing she's doing for the United Way. Yeah. And, when, uh, how long have you been the executive director for or the chief excitement officer, as Greg Hemmings calls you? I've been the excitement officer for about four years now. Okay. And wh- how did you get to become such an exciting officer of such an exciting organization. And and, and, and maybe if you, if you don't mind me popping in there as well, <clears throat> she really was brought in at a certain point to kind of shake the system of United Way and really create this, this real active machine that it is today. Not saying it wasn't before, but there seems to be a new life to the United Way in the city and what it's doing since you've come on. Um, and, you know, it's there's something exciting going on right now. You came at a right time. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so the stars totally aligned. I've always done lots of community organizing, community planning, um, which doesn't sound very exciting and sexy. Um, but it also happened at a time when the United Way board was just starting a new strategic plan. And they said, we've got this amazing brand. Everyone knows the United Way and everyone trusts it. And so that's amazing. And what can we do with that? Um, and there was also another interesting opportunity, which was nobody actually knew what we did at all. Right. Except we do good stuff. Um, And so we looked at, we've got these amazing opportunities. We also have some particularly entrenched social challenges. And despite all of our efforts in the community, we're really not moving the needle to the extent we'd like to. Not when we look at how much we're investing. And so that was kind of the the challenge before us was, can we take this amazing brand that has a phenomenal pedigree built on decades of passion and community commitment, and can we switch it up? Can we bring innovative thinking in? Can we bring in sort of a lab mentality, uh, experimentation, and how do we engage in a really different way? And when we're talking about the greater greater St. John, as a, as a, when you say the community, would that be, is that how you describe the, the, the community you, you serve? Yeah, so we serve from 
basically Havelock, so past Sussex, through to the Charlotte County Islands. So our, our office is in St. John, and the bulk of our social challenges are in St. John. Um, but there's also some very comparable issues in Charlotte County. So we serve that's three a, counties. So, yeah, that's a broad, that's a big area, actually, isn't it, for, for people that wouldn't be from here? Like, it's, it spans a number of, like, how many miles would be between those two points? Oh, over 200. And yeah. then you've got the islands in Charlotte County. And wow. so access there is it's a whole other matter. Yeah. Dave, did you just say miles? I did. Wow. That's I guess, I guess if you're going to Campobello, listeners. you kind of have to go into the U.S. Um, <laughs> so United Way works so closely with businesses um, as well as 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 citizens of all, of all sorts. But uh, <clears throat> tell us a little bit about the engagement that you are witnessing in St. John from the business community. Sure. Um, St. John, I think, is really interestingly positioned because we've got about 15 years of experience of having the business community really sort of latch on to let's find a solution to poverty. Let's figure out, let's bring business acumen, business discipline and figure out how do we solve this problem. And I think one of the the first eureka moments for the business community was actually there is no silver bullet. Um, there's not one particular program that will solve all of all of our woes. And so we really need a, a coordinated, comprehensive type of approach. And I think that's a, a really great intersection point for the United Way. We partner with about 200 different companies and have traditionally the, the involvement of the business community has, has largely been through their employees, giving to the United Way, through payroll deductions, really easy. Um, but what we've seen more recently is businesses becoming, and individuals, becoming much more uh, strategic, uh, asking much better questions about where their charitable dollars are going. And so that opens up for us an opportunity to really question ourselves, are we optimizing the dollars that we're receiving? And what do we do about that? How do we make sure that every charitable dollar is actually a social investment that's that's returning social social gains at the end of the day? And how do you measure that and, and, and keep all that accountable and transparent and use that as an incentive for, for more people to con- continue engaging? So that's something we've really ramped up in the the last couple of years. Uh, so about two years ago, we blew up and rebuilt and redesigned and re-engineered how we do our granting. So now any charity from Havelock to the Charlotte County Islands can apply for United Way money. And what we do is we, we've brought some business discipline through the, the lean canvas model. Um, so we literally get the charities to write us a business plan that says, here's here's the problem I'm trying to solve, here's my solution, here's my value prop, um, here are the risks that I'm anticipating. And then through the process, we usually uh, receive funding, or sorry, applications for about one third of what we can accommodate. So we have to say no to two thirds of the people or organizations. And then through the process of getting to a contract and agreement with them, we actually articulate what are the 12 month deliverables? What are the outcomes? And if we fund them for more than one year, what are they going to achieve in terms of lives changed. So if it's kids achieving literacy standards at the end of grade two, um, whether it's uh, women leaving their domestic violence partner for over a year. So we get them to be as concrete as humanly possible around the change that they're going to affect. And the idea is we fund 20 different projects that are all delivering very high, uh, very well on their outcomes. And that creates that, that complex community conditions that will move the needle. And you and there's I'm guessing like well, I believe I know there's there's you focus on a few pillars right because part of the challenge traditionally would be um, you you know you just you can't raise all the boats right like you know you have to have a focus but you have a pretty clear mandate as I understand absolutely so in the last couple of years we've also helped to architect uh, a movement called Living St John and Living St John has identified four 
targets that we want to achieve as a community. And and in order to achieve that, we need government involved, all levels of government. We need the business community. We need the charitable sector. And what really mobilized us around that was getting crystal clear about what those outcomes are. And so, for example, it is to achieve 90% uh, literacy by the end of grade two for kids in the region. So regardless of what neighborhood or what family you come from, you should be able to read by the end of grade two. And so really coalescing all of the services and the organizations around that, making sure everybody's measuring towards that. So that's one area. Another is around employment. So we have really focused on helping primarily single moms, single women transition into employment out of violence, uh, making sure kids are achieving academic standards and then progressing through high school and graduating on time. And also really focusing where the highest concentrations of the problem are. So focusing on priority neighborhoods with high poverty, low employment, um, because you create a, a microcosm of challenges that, that make it very entrenched and really hard to, to break that down. So the, the counter to that is to really mobilize as many resources and supports in the same, with the same families in the same neighborhood to, to really change the culture of what's happening. So two years ago, I was at that uh, breakfast. I believe it was a breakfast or a lunch when... You were rolling out the new, the new way, the new, the new United way, um, and am I right to believe that this is when you finally made those pillars and were, became very concentrated? Okay, so since then, because it's only been two years, have you been able to see measurable changes? Uh, yeah, in outcomes. Yeah, absolutely. So we literally right now are just receiving the one year final reports from the groups that we announced at, at the event last year. And uh, so, for example, uh, Second Stage, which is a domestic violence organization to help break the cycle of domestic violence, because unfortunately, it's very, very cyclical. Um, and so of the 21 women who participated in their program last year, 20 of them left their abuser for an entire year. And we know that there's there's these thresholds. And so if you can stay away for long enough, the chances of you going back diminish greatly. And so we know some of those measures that are coming in, uh, again, with the same organization uh, of those women, there are 17 of them that are either it, uh, signed up for college, they're in training programs, or they're employed. Because that's other other programs that you're supporting are really, it's kind of a, a vertically integrated system in a way, right? Because you can usher these women into GED programs or further and get them college prepared and, and uh, workforce prepared. Exactly. One of the key pillars is making sure that the women are equipped to be independent because if they're not, then they, they're vulnerable to not having enough money and needing to be to be cared for financially. And so the St. John Learning Exchange is one of the other organizations that we fund that really helps them address all of the barriers, get the training they need, often get the counseling and the support they need, which they can then get from Family Plus Life Solutions, who we also subsidize counseling for so the mental health issues don't get in the way. Or they can go to Sophia Recovery Center if they have addictions issues and they need some day programming. And so it really is weaving a social fabric and a network that is, it's, it bounces people out of the challenge they're in rather than hold them down. Do you feel that there's still uh, um, that disconnect from people who are saying, oh, yeah, I, I love the brand of United Way. I just don't know what they do or how we can get engaged. Has that changed in the last two years? Because you guys aren't quiet as far as I'm concerned. Like uh, I hear about what you're doing everywhere, and every, which is fantastic. So obviously things are either changing or maybe I'm just listening to the right things. I don't know. Oh, you must be <laughs> listening to the right things. Um, <laughs> Definitely. I think we've made progress. Um, and there's, 
there is no public, as my marketing friends like to tell me. There is no the general public. And so I think in certain areas, we've become much more active. I think in the the entrepreneur, entrepreneurial space, where the innovators are, that's where we want to hang out. Um, that's where we're spending more time with businesses. We've traditionally had relationships with the big, strong businesses um, that are really well known. And, and as our economy transforms from big companies to much more small, medium, um, and much more innovative. That's, that's I think, where we're becoming better known. Um, at the same time, we're really listening to what people are telling us for why they haven't engaged in the past. So, for instance, um, I had had some conversations last year with a couple of people who have significant capacity to give, um, and they've never chosen to give to the United Way. And so I sat down and said, so so why? Tell me, here's who we are. And they say, oh, I like who you are, like who you're becoming. Um, but, you know, the, the model just doesn't resonate. United Way is just too generic for me. It makes me uncomfortable to put my money into a pot and to trust you to do it, much like uh, a wealth advisor or an investment manager would. Now that just, it kind of makes me uncomfortable. I want to be more connected uh, to where my money goes and what that looks like. I want to have more say in it. And so we've developed an advisory service that works with high net worth individuals, with family foundations, and with investment advisors to really use the infrastructure that we've built that's really robust. So we we go through the 60 applications, we narrow it down to the 20 best that have the best possible social return, but then we share that information, that intel, with people who are interested in giving charitably or investing in the sector Say so here, here are the best bets that we found this year. Are there any of them that are of interest to you? And if there are, and every time so far there has been one um, that really resonates for a donor, then we connect them together, and they then invest in that part of our strategy. So even we've changed our language. Uh, the the giving that we do is our social investment strategy. It is a strategy. It's all interconnected, and there's something in there for absolutely everybody. Do you find that the new language that you're using and the fact that you know it's really outcomes based and you know the measurement and that stuff is that? I mean, I'm guessing that could only help, you know, in terms of credibility with business, right? Absolutely. It's also a double-edged sword. Um, so our other eureka moment is that we've not done a particularly good job of stirring people's emotions. The United oh, okay. Way was always the logical place to give. We were the easiest place to give. It's on your T4. You don't notice it. You can give a dollar a pay and suddenly. Um, and so that's what we always sold as our value prop. Um, but our value prop is actually the thousands of lives who change. And so it's it's an and. It's not a, an either or. So absolutely, we're making better investments. They're very much focused on outcomes. This We will change this community. Of that, I, I have no doubt. We have enough money to do it if we deploy it properly. But at the same time, at the end of the day, people give because something touched them. Mm -hmm. And so that's something we really need to uh, focus more attention sharing. Right. So and when you think of, um, you know, people, well, actually here, maybe I'll spin this around. When you think of the, the, the 20 organizations that you pick, um, like that must have been pretty tough to go through that because, you know, like as any of us that want to contribute, right? In, in small, much smaller ways than the United Way would. I mean, you want to contribute to everyone, don't you? Right? And then, and you kind of have to at some point make a decision, well, I, you know, there's only so much to spread around, so I'd rather focus it on this and this, which means I have to say no to this, this, and this. And I know of a number that would just, you know, have relied on the United Way to, to continually to kind of renew. 
tell us about the you know the process like going through that I mean that must have been tough painful yeah <laughs> very very painful um but what we did is we I think we really did it right we identified to begin with what are the principles that will guide our funding decisions and we just kept coming back to that and and they are really principles of what a or characteristics really of, of a robust of a healthy organization that's the most likely to achieve outcomes so as you said Every time we said yes, we were, by implication, saying no to something else. And we'd never really looked at it that way. So every every year when we didn't change our approach, it, we didn't feel like we were saying no, but we were saying no to hundreds of charities because they couldn't come into our family. They had no opportunity. So now the no's are much more expressed, um, but the no's are also very informed. And so we, we give feedback. We offer support. We offer training. Um, we try and make it more and more difficult for our volunteer committee who makes these decisions every year. So I'm sure they don't appreciate hearing this, but that, that I see is my job to make it more and more difficult for them to make those decisions because the caliber of applications and the outcomes that we're achieving is increasing every, we've seen that just in the space of two years. So in a way, like, so the extension of that is that, so now as a, as a nonprofit organization, you know, the United Way is going to help, you know, if I'm leading this one nonprofit, be more effective in how I, my delivery mechanism, which only, so it enhances my chance to work with the United Way, but also, you know, my stakeholders, my clients get to have a better experience as a result, would be, I guess, the the ultimate, right? Absolutely. And the organization is then more competitive and more likely to be successful with other funders. Right. So everything that we are trying to espouse is transferable to your application for funding to the government or, or to a foundation or, or elsewhere. The other thing that we really try and do is when we see something that for some reason we can't fund, but it has merit, then we've reached out to other funders. So we were able to leverage this past year for a couple of projects that we weren't able to fund others who were more appropriate to fund those. So it's not straightforward. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It's almost like like the new, you know, as nonprofit world um, evolves, um, you know, you guys are... I don't know if they're on the leading edge or, you know, but this idea that, you know, is, there's a new way now to, to run a nonprofit, right? And to be successful because, um, it, and the other thing is, and I mean, man, it's, those dollars are hard to come by. Like oh, I remember absolutely. I was supporting what I thought would be the easiest thing. It was a dinner for the, and I think I told you about this, Wendy, when I interviewed you for, for the column. There. But it was to interview, or sorry, to um, to raise money for Parkinson's Society. It just touched my family. This will be a no-brainer. We'll get a dinner. We'll make 20 grand. Uh, holy cow. <laughs> this was way harder than I ever in my life thought. I mean, like to the point where I was just like, I got to really think about it how I get involved in the future because someone said, oh, would you fundraise for us? And, um, and and thankfully with some support from some people, it came together. We did a roast for Bill Gale, uh, which was fabulous. But I'll tell you, I learned a really good lesson. I mean, it, it, in a way I thought after going through it, it might have been easier for my, my company to make the money and just give it than, <laughs> than try to go out, you know, because it's a tough landscape for, for um, you know, to ask because so many people and there's so many important causes out there. And it's transforming. And so one of the questions, especially with events and things like that, is it, it costs money to raise money. Uh, and so you know, what is the return on investment? What, How much effort, how much will is spent trying to raise $10,000 from a, a dinner? And so we, we try and be very careful to not hang out in that market, partially because then we're competing with the people we're trying to help, um, but also 
because the return is not great. The amount of effort, the amount of cost associated with raising money that way. That's why we love this new advisory service we've created. The return on investment to sit down with an individual who can give $10,000 a year and help them figure out exactly how to direct that to have the best impact. That's a three-hour conversation. So you're, you you're talking with the, with the donor and say, and that donor says, I want the learning exchange to, to benefit from my particular donation. You're helping them streamline it that way? Absolutely, through oh. the United Way. Very and good. they can change what they want to invest every single time. year, yeah, yeah. or they can commit for three years, or, yeah. or they might want to be anonymous. And so it's, we're really providing that, that go-between. We've done the vetting. We also do the reporting back. So normally if you give, you don't really hear what happened with your money or did those kids end up doing better. And so we provide all of that infrastructure in the middle that, that we have anyway, so it doesn't cost is us this anymore. A, is that a new, like, how, how new is that? Uh, about four months old. It, that's because that's brilliant, right? So you go to high net worth people like Greg like, Hammings like Greg. and that's stuff it, like that, and say, <laughs> "Greg, here's how." And, and here's the funny thing: Dave's, Dave's uh, you know, been my executive coach for a long time, and and uh, I love that he's actually not breaking confidence because he's totally telling a lie right now. <laughs> <laughs> Like you and I will be someday. There you go. There we there go. go. There you got it. No, no, but no, but that's so smart, right? No, because no, I, I'm excited because of what I'm hearing about this. Yeah. Because like, yeah. No, sorry, sorry to interrupt. No, keep, I keep well, on talking. So how does how does that um, like, and so who's on the advisory committee, or is it like who is it? Are the wealth managers, or like how does how do, or is it like how does that work? So because St. John and New Brunswick is such a small place, it's completely word of mouth. And so my rollout has really been to be the trusted advisor of the trusted advisors. So we know that wealth managers and accountants and lawyers generally be, tend to be the folks who are advising those who are in the position to give significantly to charity, but they're not in the position to advise them on where to give or what is a, a good investment. Uh, so I've been communicating that we offer this service. And then we have some existing relationships. And so, for example, there we have one donor who's given to the United Way $500 a year for ever. Uh, and we didn't really have much of a relationship with her. So I sat down, had coffee and said, you know, this is something we're offering. Is this of interest to you? And she got very excited. And so we talked about a couple of scenarios. Uh, and then I sent back a recommendation of three different options that fit with what she wants to achieve, what she can get really excited about, and that fit within you know the, her investment ability. Hmm. It's um it it becomes um I mean people want to be educated. I think you're educating people on how they can contribute in a way and and like you say un, like it's kind of awkward to go back and say so how was this money used exactly? So now that's not up to them anymore. Absolutely. And Brilliant. we've already built it into our process because the charities re who are receiving funding from us have already signed a contract that says they will report on their deliverables in 12 months. And so we have the data, we have the relationship, and we also work directly with the charities we fund beyond just writing the check, which really was the former United Way model. Raise the money, spend the money, do it efficiently, spend it well, but it's not really your job to meddle. Now, much to the chagrin of some, we actually feel it's our responsibility to meddle. Mm -hmm. And we meddle in ways that we hope is real, are really helpful by identifying partnership opportunities between different organizations, seeing the forest and the trees and saying, oh, if you three worked on this together, you might be able to actually consolidate three FTEs into one because you're sharing the resource. You'll be able to redeploy those resources in other ways. And, and how do we bring some of that sort of that business planning, intel, strategy? strategy mm -hmm. because everybody has their nose to the grindstone. We're, mm -hmm. 
working as hard as they possibly can to, you know, help kids learn how to read and make sure kids don't go hungry and make sure women are, are safe. So, you know, they don't have the luxury to look around all the time and, and we get to. So, we, and we're coming towards the end here. Um, and you, you said earlier, you know, the importance of sharing stories and telling people what, like, what, you know, what's this, what's a story our listeners would be interested in that, you know, you could pluck from, you know, all the great things you're seeing that would, might really resonate. Oh, to choose one. Go to our website. There's a bunch of them. Go to our YouTube channel. <laughs> there, there are some specific well, know, ones so that Hemings has so helped while us you're, with. While you're thinking of that, how do people find, find uh, you know, these stories? Uh, so on our website, uh, for sure. We also have a YouTube channel where we try and aggregate these stories. Uh, Hemings House and Bonfire helped us last year capturing half a dozen stories. Maybe I'll totally cheat and ask Greg to share one of the stories that he heard because he, he heard these stories. Yeah, um, it was really cool. And I apologize as well. It took us about six months to get you the videos. Oh, gosh, it was embarrassing. Anyway, the videos, uh, it was it was such a touching experience. Um, and it, it really blew my mind because uh, a number of women from which program? Power Up, the Women's Empowerment from Network. The Women's Power uh, uh, Empowerment Program, Power Up, came. And these women have gone through experiences in their lives that you'd only see in movies, you know, from my, like, I couldn't believe some of the stories. And, and the whole purpose of the exercise was to help them share their story in an articulate way that would help them own their story and uh, not only help themselves with it, but also help United Way and their programs because great testimonies and great stories are what are going to help elevate everybody. Um, this one particular girl, I think she was, uh, you know, I, it, it's all public stories on the yeah, YouTube. Her so, name's um, And uh, she she had a very controlling father who did not let her out of the house. It was almost an entrapment situation. She was allowed to go to school, but come straight back after. And there was very limited uh, wiggle room. And so her way to fight against that was to excel in a- extracurriculars because she was allowed to be at school and then right back to her, her own personal prison. And um, she ended up becoming this crazy A-plus student. This is a very unique story because it's not the typical story that you'd think, but it got to a point where um, she ended up finding a, a friend, a boyfriend or a guy friend who, um, who didn't have that type of work ethic, and she ended up running away. Uh, with him and that led her to the streets and she lived in Halifax just a young girl uh, lived in Halifax on benches and this perfectly bright uh, young girl with so much opportunity uh, but had to flee uh, an abusive household and uh, lived in the streets for a long time and uh, uh she she came back and she got involved. She was on the streets here, and then she got involved with Power Up, and uh, her life uh, started to transform. And she gained her own in- independence and got prepared for to get into the job market. And it was really interesting to see this incredibly bright girl ending up in a place because her circumstances pushed her there. And then these programs bring bring her back. And um, the way she told her story was so articulate. And all of them, all the women, just told their story. Just. There was no shame in their story. There was no, it was actually, they were quite confident in, in how they presented it, which is a, uh, 
a testament to the program, to uh, the program they were in. I'm probably not doing justice to her story. You have to go to the YouTube on uh, United Way's uh, St. John's uh, how, what website. Is the, what is the URL? Like, what, how do people find Or do they just Google United Way? United Way St. John. St. John. Find it. So am I, did I do justice to that story? Because you could probably wrap it up quicker than I did. Uh, you did. I'll, I'll add a few happy yeah. things to the very end of it. Uh, so she ended up being at First Steps because she was very young and had a baby and did not, she was homeless. Uh, so they were phenomenal. They wrapped around her. They helped her get money to go to university, to UNB. And as Greg was alluding to, the stories are so complex because that's that's where the story ended as of about September. And so she was enrolled in September to go to UNB, single mom, on her own. She moved out into an apartment. Within two weeks, her house, her apartment was broken into and everything was stolen. So she's on her feet and then poof, knocked back. Uh, so then she's she's working through, trying to get through school, and then right before Christmas, her daughter um, had had a medical emergency, had to go to the IWK, so then she missed three weeks of school and the exams, and was at the, you know, at the threshold of possibly dropping out of school, and so... That's that's a story we hear play out over and over again, despite being brilliant, being assertive, being talented, really being driven. Life just it, it offers you an awful lot of knocks sometimes. You know what? It just it reminds me of how how lucky some of us are in life to have a support network around you that can, you know, hold you up through the tough times, right? And that's what this is. This is the programs that are doing right. that. They are creating, that's why it's so important exactly. to support Exactly. No, and that. just to hear, and it was a reminder how fragile it is for some people, you know, and had, had, had you not, and I mean, I'm, 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 I can say I was very fortunate to have a, an upbringing where you have all those things to, when you hit a bit of a patch, you got lots to, 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 to keep you going or, or at least catch you, right? But so many people don't. And uh, there's there's a great example. Well, that's cool. So did, did, was there an upswing at the end? Like, is she still in school? And Yeah, well, actually, I, I was just talking to uh, Sharon the other day. And one of the things she was sharing is how when, when you don't have that support network, the people to give you good advice, uh, and, and the advice Sharon had offered to this young lady was, well, talk to the registrar, talk to the university and explain what happened. Explain that you had a medical emergency and like, you can do that. Really? You could do that? Because she was, she didn't know. She didn't why, know she had Why rights. would she know? Exactly. She had no idea. And so she's, she's getting that pathway back, uh, back so on. So it's a continuing story, uh, but it, it was really eye-opening. Well, um, and you know, yeah. okay, so, and so just, I, what'll be cool about people watching these videos is they get to see your handiwork as well as Bonfire. We, we just had uh, Alan and Lisa here on uh, an interview a few weeks ago. I guess it will be now. And when people listen to this one, um, so, you know, in terms of, I think we got to wrap up, right? We're at that. Let me see what time it is. Yeah. I mean. Um, yes, we're two, we're two minutes over. <laughs> we're a little bit over. <laughs> that's okay. So, so how do, how, I guess, you know, what are, you know, based on your experience, Wendy, of being the chief excitement officer of the greater uh, United Way or greater St. John United Way. We'll just call it the greater United Way. Greater, greater United Way. Um you know, so, so someone's listening that maybe what, it doesn't live in our community, but they live in a community. And, you know, what's, I guess, what's the advice you have around, um, you know, contribution and giving back and helping less fortunate and that kind of thing. And, you know, what, any, any advice or wisdom you have there? Uh, make it meaningful. I think be, be really committed to having the most impact you possibly can, whether it's your charitable money or your charitable time, um, because not, not all programs are created equal in terms of the out, 
outcomes and and uh, and the impact that they can achieve. And so, you know, just be diligent. I I really my one of my dreams is that we would actually pay as much attention to our social giving as we do to the stock market giving that we mm-hmm. do. Right? We pay attention to those investments. And what's as simple as returns, like you said. Let's measure the returns. You wouldn't invest in the stock market without knowing what the returns were. (laughs) Absolutely. So So I think it's such a good, it's a good, a good way of looking at it. Uh, uh, This is wonderful. Uh, We are going to wrap it up. But Wendy, thank you for for everything that you do. Uh, You've got me thinking as well about how I can engage um, outside of of just being a supporter. But um, yeah, I think it's 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 really great. It's also really great to remind people of that old. Uh, and very convenient system of, hey, uh, payroll deductions, you know, uh, everything comes off your check. Well, United Way can actually also come off your check as well. Like a lot of businesses will will do that. And um, for employees that uh, that care about their community, what a great way to, to give, give a portion of their, of their pay. So we'll be talking later. Excellent. But it might be a year or two before I'm the high net worth one that Dave says <laughs> I am and stuff. But well. It's all about creating a pathway creating the pathway. (laughs) Thank you, Wendy, for being with us. Thanks for checking out this episode of Boiling Point. Remember to rate and subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Boiling Point Pod. To see more from Dave Vale, check out leadershipunleashed.ca or visioncoachinginc.com and on Twitter at Dave underscore Vale. And to catch up with Greg, visit Hemmingshouse.com and at Greg Hemmings on Twitter. Thanks for listening, and remember, keep that pot boiling. You looking to make the most out of this life and optimize your personal wellness? Then check out the Natural Man podcast. Join me, host Mike C., as we explore all areas of human wellness, physical, mental, and emotional. Learn strategies to optimize your own well-being and be in the driver's seat of your own health. Remember, your doctor works for you. Learn biohacks, neurohacks, ways to improve sleep, and ways to optimize your body and your mind. Check us out on Apple, Spotify, the Fountain App, and at naturalmanpodcast.com.